Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, welcome to another week, another episode of the Medicine Ball Podcast. You know, time is like currency and you chose to spend some of that today here with me and I appreciate it. But before we get into it, you already know, let that beat drop. Yes, yes, welcome to Medicine Ball with your boy LS3 to be exact, and if you're in the shape, at least your brain should be. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Medicine Ball Podcast, where we focus on giving your brain a six-pack by exercising your mind. But what exactly does that mean? Exercising your mind means that you actively think about and deal with all situations by first seeking to do anything other than what you are normally programmed and or comfortable in doing. Now, I already know most people aren't used to this way of thinking, but just like anything you want to get better at, it takes effort, practice, and hard work. Now, if you're not someone who actively looks for alternatives as opposed to reacting in ways that require little to no effort because we all know that is easier, it will first require that you begin to look at things from an unbiased point of view which in itself will increase your curiosity in life. Now, exercising your mind won't give you all the answers. You will, however, begin to live with more peace, understanding, and love, while simultaneously equipping yourself with tools, tricks, and hacks to help you deal with this thing called life. Now, before we go any further, I'm no doctor, no psychiatrist, no psychologist. I have, however, been diagnosed with bipolar disorder level one for 16 years. And I got to a point in my life where I was looking at the person I was becoming versus the person who I wanted to be. And that required me to look at my mental health in a responsible way, along with other things. So whether you're diagnosed or not, or you know someone who is diagnosed, or one of the many people who I'm sure could deal with some tips and tricks to help you deal with this thing called life, you already know. See, kick up your feet. This is your family. Welcome to the Medicine Ball Podcast. I am your host, as I said earlier, LS3. And I don't want to hold y'all. This week's episode, season two, episode 13, COVID and I. That's right. We proper with it with special guest, Dr. Stephanie. I ain't going to hold y'all. Let's get right into it. Yeah, yeah. So as I've been letting you guys know, giving you the heads up, I have a very special guest with us today who has blessed us with her knowledge and time, uh, Dr. Stephanie. So without further ado, I like before we get into what we're going to speak about, well, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know we're going to be talking about mental health in relation to what's going on with COVID and the quarantine. But before we get into it, I'd just like to introduce Dr. Stephanie and have you guys uh, hear a little bit about her. So uh, Dr. Stephanie, thank you again and go ahead. Of course. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited and honored to be on your show. And I'm super excited to talk about this topic because it's something that's really impacting a lot of people. Um, so my name is Stephanie. Uh, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology and I'm currently a life coach as well and specialize on mindfulness coaching. Um, basically, self-awareness is kind of my jam. It's kind of my thing. And I'll be talking a little bit about that as well um, and connecting that to how to cope with COVID. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And if you if you would uh, real quickly, because that's something I also talk about, self-awareness. Uh, just so, you know, a lot of people do ask me about that. Could you give a little bit more info on that? And, you know, since that's something that you talk about. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So um, throughout all my studies and all of my training, I came to the conclusion that self-awareness is kind of basically the beginning of everything. In order for us to make any kind of changes, we first have to be aware of what's working and what's not working. Um, and essentially, if we can't really take responsibility or recognize what's going on internally, then it doesn't exist. And if something doesn't exist, then we can't change it. I hope that that makes sense. So having self-awareness, um, you can see it come up as we kind of have like a, a higher intellectual c- 
capacity. So animals that are more self-aware generally are just more intellectually uh, functioning in a different in a different way. So they have more emotions and they have different ranges of emotions. Whereas you go down the like the food chain and you start to see that there are less emotional ranges and therefore less self-awareness. So as humans, we have the capacity to be very self-aware. However, a lot of the times we get so lost with our environment that we lose sight of ourselves. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And anybody who follows me and uh, listens to the show should definitely, uh, you know, understand what you're saying when it comes to self-awareness. You got to kind of be in a place to where you can uh, be accountable. I always say like, you know, it, it's something a lot of people talk about, but being accountable first starts with knowing yourself strengths, weaknesses, and things of that nature. And, um, you know, with you being someone with, with, with the vast knowledge on it, I know I, I have uh, tuned into the things that you talked about on your show as well. And uh, self-awareness, I think is important. So just kind of piggybacking off of that. Um, I know you can see, or a lot of my people who listen to me uh, have a lot of questions about this whole COVID and quarantine thing and kind of how mental health has been elevated again on a higher level. So can you first, uh, and you know, I've spoken on it, but from your point of view, can you tell us like, what is the relation between the quarantine and the mental health for those people who may not understand why there's even a relation there? Oh, well, of course. I mean, with COVID and the quarantine and the, basically it's kind of like forced isolation. Um, a lot of the times we are not used to being alone with ourselves, being alone with our thoughts, and especially being alone with our emotions. Um, here in the United States, we live such a fast-paced life, and we are always surrounded by something, right? Always, the, Our environment's always shifting. Things are always moving. And we actually pride ourselves as Americans to be super hardworking and to always be busy, busy, busy. And this quarantine actually has forced a lot of us to slow down. A lot of us to be home with ourselves and be a lot of more um, like self-reflective and have to learn to cope with internal coping strategies instead of external coping strategies. And I can talk a little bit about what the difference is, but, you know, going back to the concept of self-awareness, because we're in such a busy bee kind of lifestyle, we don't slow down enough to pay attention to ourselves. And the way that we feel like we are in control usually has to do with external factors and external stressors. And a lot of the times we get lost in trying to control our outside world, which includes like our health and includes our family and our friends and our employment and our finances. And we are so busy trying to hold all of this up. However, that's there's so many variables that we can't control that. And we lose sight of the three things that are actually in our control that make us us. And I, when I found this out and I have been teaching it for forever now, but when I found this out that we only have three things that we're actually in control of, it was liberating and terrifying all at the same time. And so when we start to realize that we only really have control of ourselves, and there's only these three things that make us us. It's our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors. Those are really the only three things that we have control over. And if we move and shift our mindset from trying to control 
the entire outside world, right, which are those those variables that I talked about, like your employment, your health, your friends, your family, all of that. And we shift our attention to just ourselves, that when things around us are happening, because they're bound to happen, that's just life. Instead of trying to fix, like trying to fix COVID, trying to change people and yell at them because they're not wearing a mask or um, being very angry and upset that things are closing down again or any of those circumstances that are outside, we kind of go bonkers. We kind of lose it a little bit. So instead, it's, it's about shifting and going inward and paying attention to the things that are in our control, which are those three things, our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors, and building insight and awareness into what our tendencies are. So, for example, some of us have maybe very negative thoughts, or we have very self-defeating thoughts, or we have very judgmental thoughts, right? And so if we start to learn how we think, our patterns of thinking, then we can start to change them, right? So I said that self-awareness in the beginning means you got to know what it is that your patterns are. What is the, what is your, um, like the typical things that you do? What are your behaviors? How do you react? What emotions are you tolerant of and which ones are you not? Because the more you start to learn about yourself, the better equipped you are at creating changes. Um, and the same with like our emotions, For most people, feeling vulnerable emotions like shame, guilt, sadness, fear, even disgust, any of those emotions that make us feel kind of vulnerable, um, we're not going to want to tolerate for the most part. And a lot of the times we turn those emotions into something else. And it's usually like anger because anger is easier to navigate. Anger is more acceptable. Anger makes us feel powerful and therefore we are more willing to feel that emotion so we're not actually feeling vulnerable and kind of like in danger. And so when I started my own self-reflective path and journey, um, well, through my schooling, to become a psychologist, they make you, they make you, it's part of the program that you have to do your own therapy, right, for a year. Um, But I started learning about myself and I started learning that I was kind of an angry person. I was kind of an angry little Hispanic girl. (laughs) And so so, uh, through my journey and figuring out why am I so angry, I started figuring out and putting like my past and connecting the pieces and dots all the way to how it was still influencing me in the present and why um, I was so quick to anger and how I used my anger as a mask. And it was a defense, uh, a defensive way of going through the world and feeling like the world was coming at me. But that was all just in my belief system. That was just all thoughts that I had made up based on what I'd gone through. And the more I took responsibility and admitted, okay, now let me tell you, admitting things is difficult. <laughs> right. And, Accountability. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, getting feedback. So I had to work and with my supervisors. And so funny story, I've always had um, growing up, I've always had this very outgoing kind of personality and I'm always kind of loud and goofy. Um, but I'm also very attractive and I'm not going to lie about it, but <laughs> That's gotten me into trouble sometimes. And I would always get dress coded. High school, always dress coded. And lo and behold, I was working as a therapist in a hospital 
and my supervisor tells me, Stephanie, you got to go home and change. And it was like, my life was happening. My high school life was happening all over again. And I was infuriated. I was so offended and so angry. Yeah, starting over almost. Yeah, I was so pissed. And so I, I sat there with her and she's like, why are you so mad? And I'm like, well, because back then in high school and my entire life, and I've always been told that I'm this because of the way I dress. And so I like gave off this entire story filled with anger and shame and all those emotions that I had just been carrying. And she like, basically it felt like she bought me in my forehead and was like, okay, first of all, slow your roll. (laughs) And second of all, pay attention. She's like, notice what's going on. She's like, that's not what's happening. That, that story is a story that you're telling yourself. That's not what's happening now. You're just being told that you can't wear that outfit at a hospital because if you need to run, you can't run. And I said, oh, right. So I had taken my entire drama and created this other offensive thing. And being, you know, having that supervisor kind of bought me and saying, why do you get so offended when people point things out? And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I was doing that. But admitting that I do that, was so hard getting to that place where I could say, okay, yes, I do take things personal a lot was so difficult. A lot of the times we don't want to admit that, right? We don't want to admit that we're wrong or we don't want to admit that we are doing something that causes ourselves harm or self-harm or that we self-sabotage. Admitting those things is hard, but that's the process of becoming aware of what your patterns are, what you do, what works and what doesn't. And I totally agree. And I always talk about it like in order to make some changes or to address certain things, especially mentally, you have to kind of be able to say, hey, this is what I'm doing wrong. This is what I have created. And it's not necessarily what the truth is. And I think that that itself is like a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. So just following up off of that, would you would you say that the quarantine is forcing people who might not necessarily want to sit with themselves and kind of gain that self-awareness a lot of people who might not be open to that are having to and do you think that that creates some issues with the quarantine or because i think i feel like the virus is forcing us to sit and look at things differently no matter what we want to do to fight it we're being forced right now with situations to kind of take these self-awareness gauges and kind of see how adaptable we are to situations and gauge where we are mentally would you say that that's a part of it or Oh, for sure. I think, I mean, absolutely. I think a lot of things contribute to kind of um, the impact on mental health right now. I mean, lots of people depend on external coping skills. Um, and what I mean by external coping skills, I mean like external activities or even just like uh, like props that we need to to cope and feel better. And exactly. an, an internal coping skill is something that you can do, you know, in your mind, in your body, and nobody can even tell that you're coping. Um but yeah, external coping skills are a big deal, right? Going out for a run or um, playing basketball at the park or going on hikes or whatever, you know, going to the beach. Um, those are all external ways of coping that people would frequently use. And now all of that's monitored and limited and, you know, you have to wear masks everywhere and it makes it not pleasurable anymore. So now we start to feel like our life is restricted and confined And I mean, they're not wrong. It totally is, but it's technically for our own good, right? To keep us safe. 
I think, you know, the removal of external coping skills is a big deal. I think that's a big part of why people are starting to have a lot of mental health symptoms. But also, yeah, the self-reflection piece, you know, now you have to, well, you don't have to, but there is a big, you have a lot more time on your hands to sit there and really just notice how uncomfortable you are not having anything to do or, you know, the anxieties creep up of, do I have enough money or how, how am I going to make my finances last until this quarantine is over? Was, when is it going to be over? What does our new normal look like? And anything that is change is difficult, right? And so now we're asking our entire, the entire world to adapt and change how they were functioning into something completely different that we, we don't know how to do it. You know, even just like restaurants and, and, uh, and bars and, and just places being closed down is super stressful. Um, I know like gyms closing down and right. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. like, that's a big deal, you know, like how yeah. do you function? <laughs> like, and so now even the routines that we had, like going to work, going to the gym and then coming home, like now that routine doesn't exist for some people. I don't have the job and the gyms are closed and I'm not even driving anymore. And now I'm just stuck at home doing absolutely nothing. Right. And that can, definitely contribute to just this feeling kind of being stagnant and stuck, you know? Right. Right. Do you think that we cope whether we know it or not? Like, I know you were talking about the coping and, you know, um, even when you just mentioned going for a run, like I talk to people on a daily basis who would be like, yeah, I just went jogging today," or somebody might be like, Hey, I just sat by the pool all day. Is coping something that is going to happen whether or not we're aware of it or not, or. Yeah, that's kind of a tricky question. So, um, so, uh, so the main job of a coping skill is to provide relief, right? To provide temporary relief. Now, it always has to be temporary because if you are coping and you're using different kinds of coping skills, it doesn't matter what kind of coping skills you're using, but you're just coping and coping and coping. When do you actually go back to address whatever's bothering you? You, you kind of don't. There's not enough room. And so you. if you're always coping then you're not actually addressing and you turn your coping skills, even though they're good coping skills into avoidance. Avoidance is the downfall of our mental health. If you avoid Mm. anything that's eating up at you or bothering you, even if it's a small thing, like the kitchen was left dirty and it bothers you and you just cope, cope, cope and avoid and don't have that conversation. It's going to eat you up or it's going to come out in a different way, right? You always have to go back and address whatever it is that, uh, created that emotional response in the beginning. So you asked, are we coping um, regardless whether we're doing it intentionally or not? And I mean, technically, yeah, but this is where the problem lies is we have to use good coping skills and be careful not to fall into the trap of not so good ways of coping. Now mm. I say that they're not so good because they're not good for us right. Right, in that, in that way. Um, but the problem with the not so good ways of coping is that they work. So like an example of a not good, not so good way of coping would be like drinking or, you know, smoking a lot of weed or any kind of drug for that matter. Um, It will work, but it's not necessarily good. Yeah. It's not good for you in the long run. Right. And so like coping skills are temporary. And we want to make sure that in that temporary stage that you're using them, they don't add additional consequences to whatever, you know, life stressors you already got going on. 
right? So if you think about it, we use COVID as an example, and you start drinking as a way to cope with the isolation and being out of a job. So now you're adding more negative consequences to your already situation (laughs) with COVID. So you could actually be making it worse if you're not paying attention or being aware of what you're doing and how you're handling it. You could be making it worse is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and I told you in the beginning, I said, there's, or there's three things that we are in control of and, you know, drinking is a behavior. And so if we, um, let our behaviors become, uh, something that fuels the problem, then we are kind of fueling that cycle of chaos. Now we can also let our emotions run wild and start thinking about worst case scenarios and everything that could be going bad or how everything's going to be terrible and you're never going to get a job again, whatever. You can let your mind just go wild. That's also fueling that cycle of chaos. If you let your emotions take you down or you let your emotions kind of take the wheel and you're just sitting here feeling helpless and mopey and not doing anything to offset that and you're just fueling that cycle, of course, it's going to get worse. And it's going to feel like your your world is ending, even if it's not. So our coping strategies are super important And, and something as simple as like, taking a nap (laughs) something as simple as taking a nap if it's not if it's not temporary and if it's not causing relief it has morphed over to the not so good way of coping um sometimes we pick fights as a way to cope with our discomfort we go and pick a fight with somebody else right yes or we start to isolate or we shut down and we don't talk at all and if someone's like stephanie how are you doing today and i'm like everything's fine i'm doing good and I don't talk, that's shutting down. And that's an ineffective, unhelpful way of coping as well, because you're just avoiding, right? So all of that's going to contribute and create more negative consequences and create more damage overall, right? So if we want to have our good coping skills, we got to look for things that don't add more chaos to the chaos we already have. Instead, that they are providing temporary relief. So, you know, a good example, we talked about exercise, we talked about, um, you know, the jogging, meditation, and I know that that's kind of going around a lot. No, please say it, please say it, (laughs) because I know when I say it, my listeners are like, man, he's always talking about it, please go ahead. And, and I think this is part of kind of like the, the mindfulness thing um, that's coming up now with mental health a lot. I mean, and mental health is actually... Not mental health. Uh, psychology in itself is um, has a lot of like mindfulness based practices and a lot of like Buddhist background um, because of that that way of looking at at, at things. Um, but when it comes to meditation, it's not the same as mindfulness. Um, but meditation is something that can be very soothing if you can tolerate it, um, and if you kind of allow the meditation to work. I know a lot of people get super, super anxious when they're meditating because they want to meditate the right way. And so they get kind of wrapped exactly. up in their start, head. Start <laughs> overthinking it and it runs away. Exactly. Yeah. And they start getting just kind of lost in their head and then they start, you know, freaking out and they get really upset. Or I know people that have done like breath work and with their breath work, um, they also get really anxious and they're like, well, I'm just trying to like catch my breath. And I'm like, why are you catching it? Just observe it. 
and you know they get kind of lost in their own head um, instead of really just paying attention to their body and I think I think this is where a lot of the times we get lost is not realizing that our mind and body need to work together right that it's it's kind of like that yin and yang so whenever our body is hurting it's not in a good place you you know you're feeling achy or whatever you have chronic pain or you got an injury you have to use your mind to help soothe your body right and you do that by keeping your mind in a positive headspace by keeping your emotions in a positive space and your body will follow and vice versa if your mind's struggling and your thoughts are really negative and feeling really crappy soothe your body and your mind will follow and they are connected. I just think that most people don't see that or don't slow down enough to pay attention to that connection, but it's so, so powerful. Right. Right. And if you could just to kind of like, just piggyback and find final, like what are some things and you started going into it, what are some things that we can do if people of various levels of mindfulness, just to kind of take advantage of this time, you know, especially with the quarantine where we have so much time to ourselves and things that we can experiment with to get to know ourselves and become much aware. Do you have any tips or any best practices that we could use, uh, you know, for kind of all levels, if you can, I know that's broad, but No, absolutely. And, um, you know, being a mindfulness coach and I'm just like mindfulness, everything. Um, my biggest thing is really just providing like a, like a definition for mindfulness and mindfulness is, is very simple. Um, and I think that's what kind of trips people up a lot of the times. And really mindfulness is just about paying attention on purpose to the present moment. So, choosing. I love right? that. I love that. Go ahead. So I yeah. So that. mindfulness is just amazing because it, it it's really what just gives us choice in our life. And a lot of the times we think that the environment is what gives us choice, the outside factors, but in reality, it's not right. And so if we can slow down enough to practice being mindful, practice paying attention on purpose to the present moment and taking kind of like an objective role where you're just observing without judgment. And so the simplest thing that I like to do is to um, encourage anybody that's listening right now to just take a little bit of a moment and shift your attention to the bottom of your feet and really just don't move them. Just see if you can feel the bottom of your feet. Now, we don't go through life paying attention to the bottom of our feet unless we step on something. But if you practice that and you just shifted your attention, there's going to be like some kind of tingly feeling at the bottom of your feet. And it's really just your skin sensing. Right? And if you think about it, our body is always sensing. All of the, our senses are always, um, are always working all at once. However, we're not overstimulated. We don't like lose our mind because we're feeling all of the clothes on our body or we're feeling everything or we're smelling everything or we're seeing everything all at once. And there's a reason for that. Our brain discriminates on its own. Our brain just kind of has like has the control of us a lot of the times. And I call it kind of being on cruise control when our brain is driving. Right. And this actually happens a lot um, if you ever been driving and you're just driving and then you realize, oh, I passed my exit. 
that's probably because you were mindlessly driving, right? And we uh. and we kind of do this with our life and our body. We are just going through the motions and hoping that our brain's gonna just discriminate and guide us by itself. And usually it does because it likes to categorize and put judgments and evaluations on everything. So we're more efficient. The problem becomes, um, or the, the problem comes up when our brain has taken the wheel and is now making decisions that are not helpful in the present moment. So for us to be able to get to a mindful space, we want to pay attention on purpose to the present moment so we can decide. We want to turn the cruise control off so our brain's not the one making the choices. We are. Does that make sense? It actually makes total sense to me. And it's just like the way that you're explaining it, I'm pretty sure you're using the correct vocabulary and words as opposed to me just saying something. But um, I, I, I totally, because it can almost be daydreaming in a way, but not really daydreaming because you're actually paying attention to what's going on while you're in that state of mind without necessarily reacting to it. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So is that something that anybody could do on any level? I mean, I personally feel um, it can be because it's something that we almost do sometimes involuntarily, but this is just so more so for, you know, my listeners who I always try to speak meditation and just like being aware of the moment. And I feel like someone like you who has a wealth of knowledge, the way that you're explaining it, you know, I just want to make sure I'm kind of conveying something similar when it comes to being aware of it, but not necessarily reacting to it. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, when you get to a point where you can be mindful of your emotions, and a lot of people get kind of tripped up with this, you know, mindfulness does not mean meditation. Mindfulness mindfulness does not mean calm and tranquility. Mindfulness means paying attention. And so if you're anxious, I'm telling you to pay attention to your anxiety. Don't cope with it. Don't turn it off. Don't run away with it sit there and be anxious and notice what it feels like. And that is like a very powerful thing to be able to do because it's so uncomfortable. But a lot of the times what ends up happening is that because our emotions are so uncomfortable and we're so quick to run away from them, we don't know how to tolerate them. We also don't know how to differentiate between our emotions. So a lot of the times we don't know what we're feeling. We're just, making something up a lot of the times or we recognize very few, like maybe we recognize fear and we recognize sadness and we recognize anger. But when like shame comes in, we're like, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that is. I think I'm sad. And so you're not processing Mm, the correct emotion because you haven't sat there and paid attention to it. So you don't know what it feels like. Um, So a lot of the people that I work with that are having a lot of anxiety and especially with COVID, like a lot of anxiety and depression are coming up that I'm, I'm having them practice paying attention to their body, right? Our first line of, um, of like, of like a warning sign or signals is our body. It's physiologically going to respond first. However, it is probably the last thing that we pay attention to. So generally what I see that happens is our physiological, um, Responses from our body, like our increased heart rate or temperature change or um, breath or changes in breath and breathing, I mean, um, are going to change first. And then it's usually our emotions or our thoughts that start going. And then after that, it's our behaviors. 
for a lot of us, our level of self-awareness is not maybe as high. Therefore, the first thing that we pay attention to is our behavior. And so we don't Mm. pay attention to all the other ones prior to that. And so our warning signs are late, right? So if you think about it, like if I'm feeling angry, physiological responses that come with anger are increased heart rate, increased temperature, racing thoughts, and maybe some heavy breathing. And the emotion, of course, is anger. My thoughts are very like, you know, tunnel vision, very aggressive thoughts. And then my behavior is maybe punching a wall or throwing something. And a lot of the times we go from zero to right. 100 and we're throwing something and then like, oh shit, I'm angry. No, we, exactly. we want to slow down and pay attention to what anger feels like before it gets to the behavior. Right. Mm, wow. So kind of like cutting it off before it even gets to that point. If it's gotten to that point, it's too late. Absolutely. We didn't catch the signs. We didn't pay attention to the triggers and the warnings. Okay. I understand that. Wow. Listen, Dr. Stephanie, you you have so much stuff and I know that like it's been a lot and I don't want to overkeep you, but I do want you to like go ahead and plug your information, like tell people where they can find you and, you know, if they want to possibly speak to you, if you can go ahead and tell them like how to go about that, you know, go ahead. Yes, absolutely. Um, You can find me on my website at stlifecoaching.com or you can just find me on Instagram. I use Instagram as my main platform to um, to market, to post things. Um, I actually love being on Instagram and I have Psych Talk Tuesdays every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And I talk about basically what we talked about today and I go into different concepts and um, provide trainings and are very specific. Um, I like to provide a lot of definitions um, so if you really enjoyed this po- podcast and really enjoyed um, kind of what I have to offer, those uh, Psych Talk Tuesdays are going to be awesome for you. Um, I've talked about forgiveness, acceptance, um, you know, our cognitive distortions, our twisted ways of thinking and giving skills and tips on how to untangle our, our ways of thinking. And I've talked about emotions and you can find pretty much any amazing talk on there that would be very helpful for you. Um, I'm on Instagram at st.lifecoaching. Um, and you can just find me there. Um, I have a lot of great posts and everything as well. So those are my main two places where you can find me. No doubt. No doubt. And I'm also, uh, that's something that I repost as well. And I will continue. And also on this podcast description, I will leave all of her information as well. Um, I appreciate your time so much, um, Dr. Stephanie. You guys, this is somebody who like I actually listen to. This is somebody I tune into their things, and you guys who follow me and really rock with me know I'm not going to put somebody out there who I don't believe in the message that they're saying. I really appreciate your time, and hopefully, you know, we can build a relationship in anything I could do with my platform to push what you're doing and vice versa. Hopefully, you know, this won't be the last time, and I thank you so much. Did you have anything else you wanted to run by just uh, in your closing of this? Uh, no, I, like I said, I'm super honored and so, so grateful that you uh, allowed me to be on your show. And I think, you know, just spreading the word and uh, helping the most people that we can, you know, with what we do. I love this. Dr. Stephanie, the pleasure is all mine. And, uh, I agree. I love this as well. And I will commit to doing that, uh, to everybody listening. That's going to wrap today's show. I ain't going to hold y'all too long. I will put Dr. Stephanie's info, uh, along with this post, uh, and you guys already know you can catch me on all the social medias at Medicine Ball LS3, the number three, Medicine Ball LS3. 
Yo, like, subscribe, favorite this podcast, share it with somebody who might need it. I want these podcasts to be like things you could just share the link to. If somebody's like, yo, I'm depressed, yo, there's a podcast episode for that, The Big D. Bam, go share it. You already know how I get down. I appreciate y'all. I always say it, but yo, you could have spent your time doing anything else. I appreciate y'all. And if nobody's told you, you got this. Keep your head up. I believe in you. I love y'all. Till next week. Yeah, yeah. Thank you.